We have breaking news on the show today. I mean, I'm not breaking the news, but it is breaking all over the league right now. The Seattle Seahawks have made a trade, a big trade. 24 hours before the NFL trade deadline, John Schneider has swung for the fences in a way that we haven't seen him do in a couple of years, acquiring defensive end Leonard Williams from the New York Giants. This is a big one. He's a big man. This is a big deal. I'll break it down for you. My instant reaction up next on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. Let's get right to it. The Seattle Seahawks of today acquired defensive lineman Leonard Williams from the New York Giants. Williams, 28 years old, 6'5", 302 pounds, 35-ish inch arms. He is a beast of a man. Played his college football at USC, was drafted by the, by the New York Jets, has history with Jamal Adams, was then traded four years ago on draft or on trade deadline day to the Giants, where he played with Julian Love. So he has history with a couple other secondary members. The Seattle Seahawks add to their defensive line today. The Seahawks give up a second round pick in 2024 and a fifth round pick in 2025. And the Giants are picking up a bunch of money here. Uh, According to multiple reports, the Giants have converted some of Williams' salary to a bonus so that they will pay it, and they did that to increase the compensation for Williams. Um, We've kind of seen, so a lot of things have been happening over the last week, and defensive linemen have been at the forefront of trade deadline rumors, and I was going to do a show today. In addition to the reaction show, that I was uh, that I am going to post today, uh, breaking down my thoughts on the Seahawks and my five takeaways and the Seahawks win uh, yesterday over the Cleveland Browns. Look for that coming up, or if it's already posted, hit that tag. <laughs> um, but I had to do this first because literally right as I was about to hit record, uh, the news broke. So I have to react to this one first. Uh, hit that like button if you would subscribe to the channel. Follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. And if you like what I do, buy me a coffee. Link is in the description. This is a big one. And I said, and I'm wrong. I'm never afraid to admit when I'm wrong. And I'm wrong quite a bit. Um, I said, and I think it's still pinned to my Twitter profile, that I didn't think the Seahawks should make a big swing, that the Frank Clark deal made sense. He was a street free agent. He had history with the team, still had something left in the tank, had been a productive player as as recently as last year, filled a need because of the Nuosu injury. And I didn't see John Schneider making a big swing. And the names that were out there were Chase Young and Montez Sweat of the Commanders in particular. Um, Danielle Hunter, possibly of the Vikings, although they win yesterday to go four and four, but they also lose Kirk Cousins in the process. So we'll see how that affects their decision-making process moving forward. They probably hang on to Hunter now. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
But as well as the Seahawks defense has played, exceeding all of our expectations and, and consistently playing well week in, week out, each week they prove that it's not a fluke. Playing the run well, the pass rush has been inconsistent. They had the huge game against the Giants with 11 sacks. Their pressure numbers are good. Um, but I think yesterday was a good example, and we'll get more into that on the reaction show, about how they they there were moments of pressure, but they didn't dictate the game up front like that. Pete Carroll talked in the offseason, at the very outset of the offseason, before the draft and before free agency. What, do, what are you going to do to improve this roster, to make this team better, so you can win a playoff game, so you can advance, so you can so you can move this organization back to contender status. And the first thing he talked about is long, dynamic defensive linemen need to get more dynamic up, dynamic up front. And he name-dropped, he specifically pointed out the 49ers front. He talked about Nick Boson. He talked about Eric Armstead and those guys. And then they go add Javon Hargrave. They add strength to strength. You know, they, they bring Cleveland Farrell in as a reclamation process, pro, project. They add Randy Gregory throughout the season. They're always adding there. That's an emphasis of their roster building philosophy. And Carol talked about that at length. And then they went out this offseason and they made some moves. They, they signed Draymond Jones, gave him the biggest free agent contract that they've ever handed to a free agent under Carol and Schneider. They bring Jaron Reed back, a move that we didn't realize at the time was going to be as impactful as, as it's turned out to be. They signed Mario Edwards Jr., who's been a journeyman but has been a very solid player at the other defensive end position. They draft Cameron Young in the fourth round and Mike Morris in the fifth round. Mike Morris flashes in the preseason. He kind of fit that mold, 6'6", six, six, long arms, big dude. But he gets hurt, has to spend the season on injured reserve. Cameron Young, more of a nose tackle. He's playing some rotational snaps. He was in there on the last drive for the Browns yesterday, so they trust him. and he's, His role seems to be increasing, but, but still not that guy. They bring Austin Fialu off the pup list this week. He's a guy that they really liked in the offseason, but he got hurt. Hasn't been able to play until now. He's someone that can play kind of inside out like Jones can. They signed Frank Clark last week, as I said, uh, but, but more of a guy that, you know, was going to come cheap in acquisition cost and salary. And is more of a rotational player as well. Leonard Williams is, is more in the stud category. I mean, he's, he's a starter. And he's a guy that can play 3-4 defensive end, and he can play interior defensive line. Some stats here, courtesy of Nick Lee from the Locked on Seahawks podcast, uh, kind of comparing him to, to Jaron Reed and, and the impact he's had for the Seahawks coming back this year. Reed, 20, uh, 21 pressures on the season. That ranks 17th in the NFL among interior defensive linemen. Williams, with one more at 22, puts him at 14th. His pass, ru pass rush grade, Reed at 69.6. That puts him 39th among interior defensive linemen. Williams in the top 20 at 77.2. Let's look at some of Williams' career numbers. 39 and a half sacks in his career. 47 and a half tackles for loss. 10 passes defensed. Uh, his big year 2020, 11 and a half sacks for the Giants after signing that big deal with them after the trade coming over from New York. Um, he is a guy in the prime of his career that can help the Seahawks immediately. And now what's the impact of this, right? Aside from just how dynamic of a player he is and what he adds there. And if you ask, well, why did the Giants get rid of him? He's in the expiring year of his contract. 
They already have Jordan Davis and, and some other guys up front that they're paying. They added Jalen Carter to that mix, of course. It, it was a strength that, that they could deal from. They weren't going to pay Leonard Williams again this offseason with the way their, their roster is constructed financially. And so, but they had some flexibility with their cap now, so they were able to make this move and, and, and essentially buy themselves a second-round pick next year and get some value. Um, for comparison's sake, the reports this week of what teams are offering Montez Sweat, there's one report out there that the Atlanta Falcons offered a third for Montez Sweat, also in the expiring year of a deal. So maybe that was kind of the starting point for Williams, although Sweat is younger. So it's one of those trades that looks like, and Mina Kimes just tweeted about this, a win-win. The Giants pick up some future compensation. They deal from a point of strength um, where they, they could afford to let a guy go, a guy that they weren't going to bring back in the offseason, most likely. From the Seahawks standpoint, they sense an opportunity. And I'm going to talk more about this in the reaction show. So check that out as soon as that posts. They sense an opportunity because how does the NFC look to you now compared to what it looked like a couple of weeks ago? Philly's still the, the far and away the most dominant team in the NFC. They are now 7-1. and one. And that offense really seems to be clicking now, kind of adjusting to life after Shane Steichen Jalen Hurts, his best game of the year yesterday after uh, struggling two weeks ago in that game against the Jets with the three interceptions and the one to clinch it. Uh, so they kind of look like a team that that is the class of the NFC. 49ers now have lost three straight. They've got some injury issues. Trent Williams out. Debo Samuel out. And teams sort of, sort of figuring out how to defend Brock Purdy. And he, the last couple of weeks, he has tried to make some of those hero-type throws. Where he's putting the team on his shoulder, trying to win the game himself, fitting the ball into tight windows. It's not his game. And now the 49ers have come back to the pack a little bit. And the, and the Seahawks, even though there's a game difference in the standings, because the 49ers haven't had their bye yet, they have their bye this week, so things will even out. The Seahawks now a half game up on the 49ers in the NFC West. And so there's an opportunity. And regardless of where you think this roster is, fifth youngest roster in the league, some, some inconsistencies on offense that I know have frustrated a lot of fans, frustrate me at times too. Um, and we'll talk more about that in the reaction show. Again, don't want to get into that now. But this is a team with an opportunity and maybe one that we didn't see coming. How many of you had five and two on your bingo card? to start the season, right? When we talked about best case scenario for this team coming into this year, did any of us think five and two? I didn't. And not only five and two, but there's have been other opportunities there too. Five and two, and they were a play away from winning in Cincinnati. Should have won that game. And they were ahead at halftime against the Rams in the opener. We know what happened then just came out flat and just, you know, Rams took it to them in the first half there. But it's a team that hasn't been overmatched by anybody. And now they're getting to their toughest part of the schedule. They play a very, very, very difficult and talented Baltimore Rams team this week on the road. And then the Washington Commanders. And then they get into that meat of their schedule where within a four or five week period, they're going to see the Eagles, the Cowboys, the 49ers twice. 
And so you go out and you fortify a position that has been better, but hasn't really taken over games outside of the Giants game. And with that young secondary doing what they're doing behind him and Jordan Brooks and Bobby Wagner playing at an extremely high level at linebacker, this might be the perfect move. Now, are some of you concerned because it's a one-year deal? We're giving up a second-round pick. Those picks are gold. Absolutely. Of course, that's a legitimate concern. I would argue at first glance that it's worth it, that it costs, there's a cost to acquiring talent. And we're going to get a lot more into this as the season goes along and we see how he fits and he performs. But I'll say, I'll say a couple of things. One is a second round pick. Is it going to get you a big time defensive lineman that can contribute uh, as a rookie? Maybe, but not often. Those odds aren't great, right? The Seahawks also have, and we're already hearing about this next draft, that it's solid, it's deep in certain position groups. Edge and interior defensive line might not be one of those, it appears right now, and that it really lacks high-end blue chip talent in this draft. And the Seahawks, you know, they're always looking ahead. So they, they might be looking at next year's draft thinking, okay, based on our early analysis, second round pick, we're not going to get a player like Leonard Williams, which brings me to my next point. I don't think the way the Seahawks operate now, I don't think they make a move like this for a guy in his prime unless they think, A, he's a really good fit, not just as a football player, but as a character and a guy with a motor who's self-motivated. But also a guy that they think might be a fit beyond this year where they would have an opportunity. They might not know for sure, but where they think there's a chance that that investment will then turn into, hey, yeah, we spent a second round pick in 2024, but now we've re-signed this guy long-term and locked up the foundation of our front seven now. And how excited could you get about that defense moving forward if you add Leonard Williams to it? Well, they can't afford him if it's going to be a $15 million contract. Yeah, they can. <laughs> yeah, they absolutely can. And defensive line is one of those position groups where you'd want to pay more than one guy. So you pay Draymond Jones and you're paying Leonard Williams? Okay. There are other areas of the roster where you're saving money. Your secondary is young and cheap and going to be for a long time. Not at safety. I get it. I, when I say secondary, I mean your corners. Your running back room is young, cheap, and talented, going to be for a long time. Your offensive line is, uh, you have your two tackles are on rookie contracts, right? Your long-term starting center is a rookie. Uh, do you have to make a decision on Damian Lewis and Phil Haynes? Yeah, but Haynes proving once again, he can't stay healthy. Lewis, is he going to command big time money in the offseason? I don't know. And there's other options there. Guards are easy to find. So you're, so you're really not paying your offensive line. Your quarterback is making mid-tier money. And you have some contracts next year you can make some decisions about. Will Disley's an eight, $9 million cap hit, I think, off the top of my head. They haven't thrown the ball his way in weeks. You can find blocking tight ends. Um I'm getting ahead of myself here, but the point is if they want to re-sign Leonard Williams and if he likes the culture and the fit here, which let's not kid ourselves, players do, this could be a long-term piece. If he was a 35-year-old veteran 
kind of on his last legs and they made a move like this, first of all, it wouldn't cost a second round pick, but also you would know it's just for this year. This might be an opportunity for them to add a another foundational piece uh, for the next three or four years. And I think once Leonard Williams gets in, Leonard Williams gets in here and he plays in this stadium. Uh, Matty Brown did say on Twitter today that he fits that the things the Giants do in their base defense uh, fits perfectly with what the Seahawks do and a lot of their stuff. He's going to fit right in. He can play in and out. And now Mario, now you just get deeper, right? So now, if assuming Leonard Williams is your starter, Mario Edwards, who has been very, very solid for the Seahawks this season now becomes a rotational piece. Now you're fresher. You got more bodies coming in. Frank Clark played some snaps yesterday, about 25%. I'll get into that on the reaction show. And so now you're adding, you know, you've added two veterans who've had success in this league, pressuring the passer and, and rotating there. You're deeper and you're more dynamic. And as good as the Seahawks have been against the run this year, Again, that pass rush has been inconsistent. You want to win this division? You want to go out and beat the 49ers? You got to pressure Brock Purdy. You got to penetrate. You got to make an impact. I think the Seahawks have put themselves in a better position today to do that by adding Leonard Williams. And again, I am happy to be wrong. Didn't think they'd make a big move, but also didn't think a player of this caliber would be available for such a reasonable cost. I'll part with a second round pick for a player like this. Absolutely. And I can't wait to see what happens now moving forward. Uh, That's my reaction. Follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, please. And uh, keep your eye out. This one will post first, but my full reaction show is all queued up. My five takeaways from the Browns game as we start to get ready for the Ravens coming up next. Thanks for watching. Let's enjoy this, okay? Forever and always, go Hawks. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching.